Hey, it's Bill Simmons. Did you know I've had my podcast for 15 years? Do you know that it is the most downloaded sports podcast of all time? Did you know I have guests from the sports world, from the culture world, people who work for The Ringer, people outside The Ringer, celebrities, experts, you name it. It's on my podcast three times a week, late Sunday night, late Tuesday night, late Thursday night, the Bill Simmons podcast. Check it out on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? Uh, I'm, I'm all right, thanks, man. How are you? I'm very well. Uh, well fed, well yeah. hydrated, um, slightly tired, uh, having to kip in between games just because, like, just absorbing all of this. Like, there's so much in this tournament on and off the field mm-hmm. that it's, like, twice as much. And that's not, that's not a complaint. I'm just saying that, like, in terms of you're absorbing not just the tactical nuances and what's happening on the pitch, but off the pitch and there's, there's so much. So it just means if you're trying to do that justice, yeah, just doing twice as much work, I would say. I think that's a really valid point actually and something that maybe we haven't considered in terms of our viewing of the, of, of the World Cup because it's felt super different. We've talked about this from the start of the, the tournament, but also mm. just kind of because I'm in the UK at the moment and just on the ground it feels like there's not really that much excitement about it. Does it feel like I think a lot I think a lot of that is just the time of year because we're used to World Cups being in the summer in Europe and you kind of going past places and the doors being open and the windows right. being open and the pubs and public places being full watching games and stuff and it's just really not like that at all. I think it feels like if you weren't actually watching the football you wouldn't know that there was a World Cup on at all. Actually. Absolutely. I went through Berlin on Saturday and there were no bars visible, like immediately wild, visible showing it? the games. It was wild. And like I said, I haven't watched a game in the company of friends yet. And, you know, you look at the Japan-South Korea World Cup, I was... In your prime. At uni. <laughs> <laughs> this, this was like, this was like during like law school. It was, you'd watch all the games together. So this is a very different uh, proposition, I would say. It is, but it's okay. I'll be back soon. We can watch them together. <laughs> um, well, after that little moan, we hope everyone else is staying safe and well. And Big moan. Yeah. Enjoying the football if you are watching the football and um, handling all of the off-field stuff if you are also tuning into the off-field stuff. Mm. Quick shout for a couple of things. Counterpressed went up on Monday. Flo Lloyd Hughes and friends. Go and find it on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Right, your house will be at Wednesday. You are going to join Ian. I am indeed. And you're going to talk England, mainly. We are. And maybe a couple of other things. Let's see, let's see if we can get any more stories out of Ian from what's going on. Yes. Who's he been shopping with this week? That's right. Oh, we, do you know what we need to talk to him about? We need to talk to him about him and Samuel Leto. Oh, yes. Is that the first they met? 
I don't know. Can you ask him about that? Yeah, I'll I should. Out, please. Yeah, 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 I'll try and remember that. Make a All note. Right. Well, um, was it? Oh, what did we used to call that one when it was you, just you and Ian? Oh, the um, the uncles, isn't it? <laughs> the uncle, the uncle special. <laughs> <laughs> Why did we drop that name? It used to. I think everyone just assumed it, but that was, yeah, it was the Uncle Special, so that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, there you go. A righty's house, Uncle Special. The uncles are back. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I love that so much. <laughs> it's accurate, isn't it? It's accurate. It is, it is. <laughs> Any other admin? Ringer.com forward slash soccer. That's it. Have you written a piece? Uh, I have not. <laughs> I have not. No. I'm going to stop throwing you under the bus. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> <laughs> and also... I suppose if you do listen to us on a podcast app that allows you to rate and review, please do so. It'd be very, very kind indeed. So we're recording this straight after the wrap-up of Group B. So we're going to be talking about England's win over Wales, the USA's win over Iran, Hmm. and then we'll talk about Senegal and the Netherlands progressing from Group A. We'll touch on a little bit of stuff off the field. We'll touch on some stuff from yesterday, and we might, if we can, give a little mention to the entirety of Juventus's board, apart from, was it Arriva Bene resigning? Allegri is still there. Wild. Um, so we should probably touch on that. And uh, I reckon that'll do us for tonight. Yeah, that sounds, sounds fair. Action packed. Let's get into it after this. Let's do it. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, man, England are through. USA are through. Yes. Uh, shall we start with the USA? Because I feel like this was this game against Iran was the well. I, this was the one that I watched in its entirety. That was the one I with had, the tension. Uh, had the England game on in the background, but I think that this was where yeah, this was where the the jeopardy was at. I was like the watcher, observing both games simultaneously in time and space in a mighty fine jacket. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> well, I might find a hoodie, but my attention was drawn more to the, the Iran-USA game. It was a really good game as well, I thought. It was, actually. It was. I think um, both teams extended themselves as far as they could. And I just have to give a shout out to Yunus Musa in the USA midfield. Oh. They've been really special, but he in particular... He was so good. The way that he advanced the ball from the base of midfield, like, you look at like a sort of a young... People are going to hate me for the comparison, but a young sort of Tiago or... Oh no, you went there. But the responsibility, you know, the responsibility, in, yeah. in terms of no, responsibility yeah. that like, like a Modric or whatever, they were given to like really, you know, not, not just bring the ball up from deep, but like, you know, one, two, and just trusted to carry the ball and time and again doing that. And it wasn't just energy. And then you have like, you know, it wasn't just energy. It wasn't just a youthful exuberance. It was real strategy. Timothy Ware's running was outstanding off the ball. I thought he was great. I thought that, Pulisic um, really benefited from the way they stretched the play for him. Uh, and just in particular, really well coached first half, I thought from Bahalta and the US. And they closed it out well. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree because I think that Iran actually started pretty well, I thought. But mm. it was clear that Iran's plan was to just make it very, very difficult to go through the line centrally. Mm. But that meant for the USA that if they could identify a little bit of an overload mm. and or create a little bit of an overload, sorry, and then identify space elsewhere, mm. there would be there would be joy to be had. And that's exactly how the goal came. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was really well played from Serginio Dest and it was uh, it was really brave from Christian Pulisic. He took a good old whack and went off in the second half. Well he didn't come out back out at half time. And um I think at the time the USA had really started to control the game. I think, I, think right. was, yeah, I think I yeah. think the goal came at a good time for them and and they deserved it. What we've seen from Iran in this tournament is that it doesn't really like we saw against Wales that they were really, really good on the counter attack and we thought that that would be where they hurt the US. Mm. And I was a little bit surprised that they weren't more hmm, what's the they word? Sh- I d I don't want to say brave because I think that at the end of the day a draw was enough for them. Mm. 
so the being patient was fine. I think actually even going 1-0 down wasn't the worst thing in the world for them because, I mean, as we saw right at the end of the game, they could have scored. They should be slightly disappointed with themselves, actually. I think they should, actually. You know, but you before know, we go on yeah, to it, Iran, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. can we talk about the USA nearly being 2-0 up because Tim Ware is spiritually onside this loud goal? Yeah. Great finish. Dude, inches, I, inches offside. Every time I, every time I uh, sense a spiritually offside goal in the world, I just retweet that tweet. From the it's like, tweet, yeah, yeah. Dude, <laughs> it's like, I, I did a follow-up essay. It's like, it feels like writing a Christmas single. Just what, just having ro- like the eternal? on that tweet are just going oh, <laughs> to... Just, just For never those ending. who are not on Twitter, Ryan's pinned tweet is based about spiritually offside goals. What I would say about um, that movement was he held his run really, really well. He was just yeah, really unlucky really, with it. Yeah, I don't think he could have held it anymore. No, 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 it's perfect. And what I... Well, about Timothy Ware's players, just the unselfishness. So there's a great move where they actually could have gone tunnel up and he squares it. And it's not the greatest square pass because he's passing into kind of a thicket of players, but it's too wide for him to shoot. And also the interesting detail is Pulisic calling for, but Pulisic is knackered. Well, he's knackered mm. by the injury. He's 10 yards back, so there's no actual option. So the margins for the US to go a goal up were basically Timothy Ware not squaring it, the right pass, and then getting the offside. But with that being said, the crucial stat for me came after about an hour mark where it had entries into the final third and they had entered, the US had entered the final third four times as much as Iran. Now, here's the thing. The personnel, the US personnel were superior in terms of technique. I get that. But you expect more. And that caution is what did from them. Like, because you saw when they got frantic in the last minutes of added time, they could create something. And I thought, well, where was this urgency 20 minutes earlier? And that's the thing, they just didn't gamble. And, you know, if there's any, any criticism of Iran and Queros looking back at that, it was like, we've seen Queros teams play with the handbrake on at club level before. This is not a new thing. Um, we saw it for Iran. And unfortunately, if someone had said to you, oh, what will their undoing be? I would have said an abundance of caution, an excess of caution. Yeah, because I think the, the volume of big chance that they created to what they created overall was way bigger than the right. US. Absolutely. And if they'd actually been a little bit more adventurous earlier, I think they could have caused the US a load of problems because if if they'd if they'd put as much pressure on the US as the US had put on Iran in the first half, then that gets super nervy for the for the US because they know that a point is good enough for Iran. They're kind of penned in a little bit. We saw it against Wales when Wales started to like really ramp up the pressure in the second mm. half against the, the US. They kind of wobbled a bit. Also, the US, the US, the ball doesn't stick higher up the pitch. That's the, the no, problem they got to solve. Actually. Yeah, you know, Sargent, I think, doesn't have the ball stick as well as right. To Ramey, the ball goes into feet and it stays there. So I'm thinking yeah. that's an option for, it, especially go long. So to me, it just felt like they didn't use all the tools they had. The best and then we had, yeah, then we had the, the chaos there, there for the last the few minutes where there yeah. was a penalty shout that wasn't a penalty shout. There was a handball shout that wasn't a handball shout. There was a chance that went just over. Oh, to be, Which looked to be quite honest, good. That, that was a good chance, that actually. Was the chance. That was yeah. the chance where I think they should have done way better. But I think overall the US deserved it. Yeah, just, good value for that. Yeah, yeah they were. Um, and they will play the Netherlands in the next round. Which it's a spicy tie. I think will be a really good game. A really good game, actually. And we'll touch on the Netherlands in a little bit, but the, the, what, the final thing I want to say from this game, unless you have anything to add, is my only disappointment from this game is that considering the referee was Matteo Leos, I was extremely underwhelmed with the level of chaos that it presented. He's done that a couple of times in recent months, actually. Do you know what? He must be reading the tweets because he's not done anything that wild by his standards. For, like in terms of the frequency of wild decisions, he's really like scaled that back in recent months, it feels. What was, what was that analogy you made once? It's like waiting for the drop and it never happens. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. <laughs> there was a period of like dubstep where, as if, where there were, no drop would come. And every like big dubstep task would be like, no, here's the track without the drop. And I'm like, well, what's the point? We know what he came here for. But like, actually you get super deep ambient techno and you're like, yeah. <laughs> Hang on a minute. He would do a couple of those tunes and it'd be like melodic. You're like, no, I came here to have a thing that sounds like a bulldozer crash. What are you doing? <laughs> anyway, anyway. Anyway, um, congrats to the US. Um, unlucky around. I think they... Can I say one bit of joy that like the US might have? Pressing high up 
some of the Dutch play like out from the back has been a little bit self-indulgent. They could get some joy if they push high up in that game. So yeah, look out for that, I guess. There's a weakness there. I think the interesting thing about this group is that the, the fact that it set up the Iran-US game as the final one and basically who, it was kind of a, a, a kind of like essentially like a playoff, mm. really. Yeah. I think either of the, if either of those sides had gone through, I think they would have deserved deserved to have been there because bar the England game for Iran, they've actually, which I think was, I think that we maybe underestimate how, how difficult that game would have been for them, um, just in an emotional sense. And yeah, I think in, in the second game, they were really good against Wales and the US, I think have been good in patches and not mm. so good in others. I don't think they've, but what I'm saying is I don't think there were two clear, you know, lights out teams to go through in this group. I think it was England plus one. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And that's based on the first and the final performance from England because they were okay against the US, but I think that was very much, I mean, in hindsight, that USA game now by by Southgate looks like a very, very much playing the long game. Mm. Um, should we talk about England? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Should keep it brief because you're going to talk about it with Ian. But I mean, there's not really a huge amount to say. Just bigging up the bigging up the the changes and the goal scorers. Well, I want to say the huge thing about this game. Obviously, England winning three 0 against uh, Wales. The huge thing about this game was they had two right backs on the pitch at once, which I know not enough. Is, it's your joy. <laughs> not enough. Um, yeah, like England bring they brought in Foden um, from the start and Rashford, both of whom scored. So Rashford's got a couple. Uh, Foden got another one. Foden crashing the box for his goal, Rashford looking extremely sharp. I know I've been pushing the Rashford as future. England number nine agenda, I've been pushing that. And I know that it's still got a way to go in terms of agenda because Rashford's hold-up play can get even better. Um, but what he did from a wide area was devastating. And I think, look, with England, it's kind of the, their challenge, right, is always just, you've got that solid bank of defence and defence midfield. You just have to create space for the forward players to be liberated. That's all Southgate really has to do extra. And he did it in this game, to his credit. It worked out really, really well. Um, and maybe just some people were doubting the validity of the Foden experiment. He came through. Um, so yeah, just, just a really smart performance. And now England have nine goals. Nine goals in, in three games. games. Yeah, do you yeah. know that is, Musa? That's three a game. Three a game. <laughs> in a high-scoring World Cup. Didn't even, didn't even score in one of them. Well, this is the thing, chance creation, and maybe it's the conditions because look at the England players. After like 15 minutes, they were like, some of them were covered in sweat. Mm. Like this oh, was I, a, I, I imagine it's pretty warm out there. Right, exa- that's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Like it's warm out there, right? So what does that speak to? Firepower, depth of creativity, goal scoring. You look at England's bench, you look at like Brazil's bench, and you're just seeing goal scorers end to end. And it was really important. Again, the, I've used this basketball example before, but like everyone getting a touch of the ball and scoring, it's so important to go into knockout phases where all these players have got a goal under their belt. As opposed to like, say in Argentina, Argentina, they, if they'd gone away with it against Saudi, Lautaro has a goal, you know, who else maybe like, you know, a couple of the players have goals and maybe Dybala's got a goal. Whereas England now, it's really exciting because they've broached that problem. It's mm-hmm. over with. They haven't got to stress about that. So this sets them up really nicely for the, for the knockout stages, I think. Yeah, I think this was the first time that you actually get a sense of England's depth in mm. real time and that makes sense yeah 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 yeah. I think that will scare a few teams it should yes. it should yeah I think it will I think because I there are a few teams in the, the competition that possess the, the the depth throughout all positions I think and the variety the variety yeah. as well yeah um but yeah you will talk about that more with can Ian I just say England have House, four but, England have four types of right back they literally yeah. have four completely different types of, right, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, anyway, so okay. That's, that sounds great. And yeah. the, is that including Benjamin White? Yeah, of course. Good. Just checking. Four Good. types. <laughs> <laughs> um, should we talk about Wales quickly? Because I don't think exiting at the group stage, considering that the group they had will be, I think obviously it's a disappointment. The Iran game was the one, mm. but I don't think they were anywhere near going to be the second best team in this, in this group, unfortunately. Mm. We've seen them come up short. Bale was taken off at halftime today with what we assume is an injury because it looked like he was carrying it in the, towards the end of the first half. 
I have no insight into whether this is going to happen, but I feel like the smart thing for Wales to do now will, would be to try and transition away from the reliance on Bale and Aaron Ramsey. Oh, that's absolutely, yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah. You have a similar thing that you have with Portugal where it just, I think I might have even said this the other day, where they kind of dominate, they dominate attention in terms mm. of where the ball should go. And I think that Wales looking ahead now, a new tournament cycle, should be looking at really getting a younger core. Also an element of Belgium, together. to be honest. They're just yeah. shocked. Yeah, yeah. You know, especially in these conditions, right? In this weather, in these conditions, it's the worst. It's the perfect storm. It's humid. You haven't got much possession and you're basically just chasing the ball. That would exhaust, to be honest, that would exhaust anyone that was playing 10 years younger, yeah. right? 10 years younger is stressful. And Wales, they just didn't have the depth. And I suppose the consolation they can take is that they basically they pushed this squad of players as far as they could go. Mm. They didn't embarrass themselves. You know what I mean? Like they pushed themselves in each of these games as far as they could. And England just had ridiculous depth. Even like taking Bale off, maybe as an injury, but maybe also shuffling the pack. That was a bold move to do that. Not every coach does that. Some no. people just keep them out till they collapse. Um, so yeah, and this is not to sound patronising. It's just that like England just had too many different options. And when you bring on Grealish for Rashford, like at 10 minutes, like, come on, man. Like, you know, it's just the depth. In the yeah, end, totally. Totally. Um, so England will play Senegal in the second round. USA are going to play Netherlands, like we mentioned earlier. Let's go to that group, Group A. Uh, Ecuador 1, Senegal 2. Thanks to Koulibaly's, Kaladin Koulibaly's first international goal. And it was the winner in a World Cup game, in a pivotal World Cup game. Got to mention Sars' no-look penalty as well. Uh, yeah, we have to because this is no look. like the levels. Oh my like, God. I'm surprised he didn't do the little, like, you know, the dirt on my shoulder celebration. Yeah, but he, it was even deeper. He put his hands over his eyes. He put his hands over his eyes and was like, yeah, I didn't look at that. I was like, wow, this is how we're moving. And like a big, it was like near half time as well. Like, yeah. Massively key part of the game. Like, this was huge, that penalty. To Ecuador. Can I say this to Ecuador? Like, unlucky Ecuador. Oh, this was, yeah, Ecuador, this was hard, man. Yeah. Ecuador, like, played well in what? All three games? Really fun. Really fun. Young, young team. Super quick in transition. Maybe just this tournament too early for them. And maybe, like, at least one player, like, in two players, probably in the squad of the tournament, Valencia and Estupinan. And Estupinan, arguably the best left back we've seen so far in the tournament. And he's out. Like yeah. Ecuador, wild. one of the best World Cup teams to go out in like the last like three tournaments to go out this stage. It would stage. have been really fun in the knockouts as well, I think. But this is the tough thing. I mean, like... Nobody wanted them in a knockout. Yeah. No, no one. God. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> That's the scorpion in the sock. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Senegal through to play England. I'm, Huge for Senegal. Huge. I mean, it is because, especially after that opening game, against the Netherlands where mm. they didn't look great and losing Sadio Mane before the tournament to get through that group without Mane losing him on the eve of the tournament I think is so big they look like they were still adjusting to his loss against Netherlands but they're locked in now I, I think so I think I think that you've seen each game they've been a little better than the last and they've incrementally it's almost kind of like hey oh, oh guys actually, I don't guys, think they lose that game can, I don't do think they lose that game if they play in Netherlands again the way they've reconfigured do you know what I, I think I, it's a draw I agree I think it's yeah. a draw. Um, I think that's a sign of just how good Alucise has got this team playing. They're very dangerous. Like if any England team, if any England fan is looking at that going, oh yeah, oh quarters, no, mm -hmm. no, no. Senegal are coming with something. Yeah, they're I mean, I, I, some, they're leaving here with something. We just talked <laughs> about England's say. depth and they're going to need all of it against yeah, Senegal because I do not, I'm not looking forward to that game. No. As a neutral, I'm looking forward to it. As an England as an Englishman, I am not because I think it might be very tricky. England have to make that a shootout. If this game's tight, I think England are in trouble. I honestly believe that. I think you saw what happened when England get a bit more freedom. You know, Iran, quick trans. Yeah, actually, like this England team now reminds me a little bit of France 2016. Mm. Move the ball at high speed, can't live with them. That amazing, I think, quarterfinal win they beat like Iceland 5 2 just blew them away. The game's slow, England will struggle, I think. 
they have to, if, if England can play this at a high tempo and goal for the goals, they can win this 3-1. But it's close. If it's tight, I actually fancy Senegal, if I'm honest. They've got to keep the tempo high, in my opinion. They do. They really do. Um, Netherlands kind of cruise through against Qatar. Yeah. 2-0. Gakpo season. Carl Anker very happy with that. He's a big fan of Gakpo. Or is he though? Because he tipped Memphis to pie for Golden Boot and he should have tipped Cody we Gakpo. Know, yeah, we, we, know, we know who he really favours. You know who Carl's favourite is. Carl's like one of those uncles that's not meant to have a favourite, niece and nephew, but he does. That's Carl and that's Gakpo. <laughs> <laughs> we see you, Carl. And uh, Frankie de Jong getting uh, the second and clinching it for the Netherlands. Uh, we had a tweet from Mark Wallace, friend of the show. The chaos he said, agent. Frankie says, relax. Here all week if you need a show title, Stadio. <laughs> and uh, so if, if the title of the show contains Frankie says, relax in it, then you know it came we're from. giving uh, a co-credit, co-write credit to Mark, the uh, great. Mark Wallace. On yes, that. yes. Shouts to Mark. The thing about the Frankie Dog goal was that he really shouldn't have scored it, actually, because it was <laughs> he gave the defenders about a four-yard head start on that. <laughs> and I was like, hang on, Frankie Dong is he's got pace here. Like he does. Crashing the box, Ella Phil Foden. There are some players that don't look fast. There should be an 11 we do of players that don't look fast, but actually are. Actually, like this Pog- reminded like me of the Tim Weyer. Sorry to like cut quick. in. Yeah. He doesn't look but quick. The t- yeah. There was a moment in the USA game where Tim Weyer broke down the right-hand side and glided yeah and do you know who it reminded me it reminded me of Mbappe and I know that sounds like everyone's gonna be like oh my god Tim Weah to Mbappe but no like do you know that kind of sense of movement where yeah you know Ozil used to have it we used to talk about that all the time where they're just deceptively rapid in, it's almost in, like they're in hazard before it's injury like speed skating hydrofoil yeah uh, can we just give some more love to Cody Gakpo and Frankie Dion because I think these have been the two best players for, for the Netherlands so far do you know when like there's players that need a big tournament yeah. You know, a lot of people, the World Cup is a funny tournament because it's like, in some, in some ways, it's not a reliable indicator of club form or whatever. But I think Gakpo needed a huge World Cup just for his next prospects. Frank Young needed one. Sergio Dest needed one. And they're all delivering. Mm. Like those, those three players are all arguably in a squad of the tournaments, I would There's say. There's some really good performances so far from a lot of huge. people who needed them. Yeah, I, think yeah, you're right about, I think you're right about those three because. Dest going to Milan after people saying that he kind of failed at Barcelona. I don't think he failed. I just think it was a little bit... I think that kind of move was just a move too soon. It mm. was just too soon. Um, Defensively, he's Gak- been really impressive too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gakpo with all of the hype. Yeah. In this World Cup, he's been really good. Yeah. Um, I still don't think he's maybe quite worth the, some of the numbers that get flown around about, around him. But I do think he's a... He's a really good player. Here's one of the weird benefits, actually, from a perspective of a career, from a purely selfish perspective of playing the World Cup within a season, the momentum transfers maybe more easily. Mm. Does it mean you're, you're straight, like, like Bruno Fernandes, for example. This is a big thing for him as well. Like, he's really delivered for Portugal. We'll get onto him in a bit. But just going straight from the league season onto the plane, and I, I don't, it's, it's not ideal, actually. I don't like it from a fitness perspective, but you're seeing players bring form across really, really well. Um, mm. Frankie de Jong, brilliant Bruno brilliant and also Bruno needed this I think because he needs to claim the team you know and there's that sort of sense of the passing of the torch and someone have to take the new responsibility and I look at someone like I mean I go back to Yunus Musa very quickly for for the US and I'm thinking which huge club does he end up at in a couple of years because that now in terms of like a player value there are certain players whose value has either exploded during this tournament or really held steady. Like a Frankie de Jong, you can be like, yeah, he's taken a couple of risks, I would say, for, for the Dutch, but there's been a point to it. But certainly people are looking going, that's what the fuss is about. In a way, and it's only online chatter, but the online conversation is quite interesting in terms of, you know, Gakpo's hype he's getting, Frankie, what Bruno's doing, controlling the tempo. Yeah, big tournaments for them. Yeah, definitely. So the Netherlands are going to play the US. Great game, Matt. Great line. I think it's... <laughs> Yeah, I think it's going to be really good. I'm, I'm, do you know, what I'm really excited for Van Hall. Yes, <laughs> Van, Van Hall, Van Hall is about to. He's, he's, Van Hall is about to break America. As in, yeah, he's about to go mainstream in America. You know what? It's going to be incredible. Van Hall against Bahalter. 
they're not ready. They're not ready for that at all. They think you know, like, for example, like I wonder if Bill Simmons knows who Louis Van Gaal is, for example. Oh, he will. He's going to. He you know what I mean? I wonder if Bill does. Like <laughs> Louis Van Gaal on the rewatchables. Can you imagine Van Gaal just breaking down like one of his favorite movies that people didn't really know, and drawing parallels with like football here and there? Love it. Do you know what, man? I'm just glad he's. I'm just glad he's healthy in here. Yeah, of course. Me too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, one afternoon, and I know I'm plugging it here, but. If Louis van Gaal spent three days at the ring of offices, by the end, everyone would be eating at that man's hand. He'd just be box office. Just put him on three different podcasts. Oh, he'd be, yeah, he'd be like... He'd be, <laughs> just giving he'd be hot like takes on everything. the highest paid staff writer. What is this? Why am I watching this? What's going on here? This is nonsense. Yeah. You tuck your shirt in. Can you imagine him just talking to Bahauta going, that's not how you conduct yourself in an international match. Just giving him comments. <laughs> yeah, anyway, love Louis. Um, Best of like both teams in that one. Yes. Let's take a break and then we're going to get on to some other stuff. Let's do it. All right, and so should we talk about Monday's stuff? Because there was an absolutely wild game. Well, there were a few wild games, actually, but we're going to have to be brief on these because they weren't ultimately, you know, like they weren't the final round of games in this group. No. But could we talk about Cameroon coming back and... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> drawing three all with Serbia thanks yeah. to uh, Chuba Moting he's, he's having an unbelievable season he's the new Giroud yeah he's the he new is. Giroud like he'll end up there's always one the, 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 the law of footballing university takes there's always one Giroud character at every one point right and that's him right now disrespected laughed at doing a job target man always delivering scoring big goals and everyone laughs and eventually they're like hang on a minute the man cleaned up and mm. all his teammates will swear by him at club and country level. And that's what he is now. I'm so happy for him. Yeah, me too. Me too. Um, the problem about this game was that neither of them really wanted to draw this game. No. Brazil winning the other game against Switzerland means that they're definitely through. Deceptively good result, that Brazil. Brazil are impressive. That, yeah. And also Switzerland are low-key really good. Yeah. And have been for quite a while. Like, if you look at what... Obvious example, 2014 knockout stage, Argentina beat them narrowly. Mm. Obviously in the, the Euros most recently against France, doing what they did. Very difficult to break down, very disciplined, playing in Europe. So they know the ins and outs of these players' games very well. And Brazil showing patience, actually. Casemiro is having a hell of a tournament. He's so good. His uh, passing lo- defeat, this goal. I've said this a thousand times, his passing defeat has been spectacular. Really? Yeah, I mean, he's a really, really good football player. Yeah, and yeah. I love the fact that he got a little deflection off Kanji's bum. Yes, but he caught that clean. Saw a couple of people hating on that. I'm like, how can you hate on a bum deflection? Not at all. Here's the thing with Sommer as well. I've said this before, like to beat Sommer, yeah. the goal, the attempt has to be either so terrible that he's like, why are you firing this at me? Or it has to be out of this world. It's the only way you beat this man. You can't beat him with a merely exceptional strike and a slight deflection here, but really well constructed from Brazil. And they are what they've scored. Like they're through with three to nil. I haven't conceded yet. Yeah. And they've only conceded what one shot on target, what one or two, like almost nothing on target. Yeah. Yeah. They haven't conceded a shot on target. They've got an element about them. And this, I say this in a good way, in a cautionary way of Brazil 2010, who were extremely, extremely impressive and moved through the gears really well. And kept getting better round and round. They got sucker punched by the Dutch. So I'm just a bit... I think Brazil have to watch out for the tests, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, going a goal down, what's the plan B looking like? But, I mean, they've been as impressive as any team in the tournament. I've got to say that. Yeah, great win for them. Uh, just very quickly, breaking, I've just seen that Christian Pulisic has been taken to hospital because of an abdominal injury. That huge collision he caught, you know. It's funny because yeah, when he scored goal. that goal, so he went in really well for it, but yeah. it didn't feel like it didn't feel like a dangerous thing to do. It just felt like a normal tap in. But I think the continuation, Luke, yeah, climbing, yeah, yeah, keep, yeah, yeah, just awful but, um, collision. Yeah, literally yeah. just saw that. So uh, fingers crossed, he's he's ready yeah, for, for sure. the next USA game for sure. Yeah. Um, did, just quickly before we move on from Brazil, did you see Rodrigo chatting to Ronaldo? Oh yes, we're touching his legs. Oh, yeah, and he touches amazing. his legs as he gets up and like almost like then wipes his own legs as if to be like trying to steal some of that. Transfer the energy. And it was just such an amazing moment. I loved it so much. 
They One thing Brazil do really well is homage. They really, yeah. really have this amazing yeah. thing, a relationship between the older forwards and the younger ones. They really look yeah. out for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, in this game, though, one thing to point out as well is that Brazil really missed Neymar, for, uh, just from a creativity point of view and just the way of like circulating position higher up the pitch and working opportunities. They really missed him. And I don't think they will miss him quite so much for the next game. But this is an example, I think, of, of when they come up against teams that they're going to need to beat later in the competition. Mm. Neymar is, they really need it. Yes. And it was the yes. first, it was the first, I think it was the first World Cup game they'd won without Neymar since he's been in the, since he's been a But in its own way, weirdly, you know, like in the same way they won the Copa without him. It's that thing where yeah. they can rely on resilience to push through. They still have like, obviously incredible firepower, but maybe this game to win without him, it kind of put a demon to bed. Do you know, only because you look totally. at like the twenty. Yeah. The 2014 yeah, World Cup. So maybe there was an element there of we can still get the job done. I'm, I'm surprised by how much they're relying on Casemiro creatively though. I'm slightly concerned about that from their perspective. Um, not that he's not brilliant, but he shouldn't be, he shouldn't be as decisive creatively as he's had to be so far. That's a bit of a problem, I think, for them. I agree. Can I just say, oh, very quickly, on the camera, just jump back, Abubakar's chip, just to say, we haven't forgotten oh it. Oh my God. We loved, it. We, loved yes. it. we loved it. This goal and the fact that... It was almost like we got to enjoy it twice because it took so long to give. Do you know I love him as well? Because he talks some big chat to Mo Salah at the AFCON. Big <laughs> chat about what a great player he was. And I love that. You know, Abubakar is that uncle that talks the biggest game and you go yeah. 10 pin bowling with him and he just bowls four strikes in a row. And he's been talking, he's been saying it all week that he'll do it and then he does it. And I'm like, you know what, actually, I rate you for that, uncle. I rate you for that. So the final games, I mean, Brazil are already through. If, if Brazil draw or beat Cameroon, then a point will be enough for Switzerland. Cameroon have to be gutted about that, that Switzerland loss now. Yeah, there'll have to be some they big really goals be gutted as about well. That. Yeah, yeah. If Switzerland's going to miss out. But uh, mm. let's go to Group H. Ghana, man. Ghana being South Korea. This game. Ghana have got goals. I mean, this is still the best food in the tournament. They're gonna, like, Ghana, South Korea is the best food in the tournament. Was it? Um, I think so. Between the two of I mean, them, Port- you went to, to cook fair, off. Portugal, Uruguay ain't bad. Yeah, oh, no, that, listen, whoa, oh my God. Yeah, I was going to say, come on, it's the same day. <laughs> it's true, it's pretty strong, pretty strong. I mean, but yeah, but still, I think it edges it. But this game, I mean, just, it was, it seemed loud. I mean, obviously it was nowhere near the stadium, but it sounded like a loud, this was a raucous match. Mm. And the tempo of it, the intensity that Ghana came with, South Korea just pushing back and Kudus just coming up with the goods again. Another player having a huge tournament. It was carrying the form across really well from, from club to country. And huge players stepping up for Ghana. Um, that is a really well-coached side that no one particularly will want to face going to the next round because they've got goals in them. And I think against Portugal, again, the problem was game management and they almost had to put a demon to bed here. Beating South Korea, not just for the points was important, mm. but also the fact they got that early lead, came out the two and they hang with them. They kept creating chances. Yeah. Um, so yeah, really impressive. Um, depending on how results go, Uruguay, South Korea and Ghana, any one of those three could take the second spot. It's impressive. Great group. Portugal, Uruguay. Portugal handled business here. They really did, didn't they? Because I, I thought this could have been a real slip up for them. I've got to give them credit. You know what? They've actually worked out to use Cristiano Ronaldo. They have actually managed to They've pushed him really high up. They've got those people playing off him, the two wide forwards, yeah. and they've made it work. Like he didn't touch the first goal that Bruno right. scored, but he now, caused the trouble. released the data on it. <laughs> yeah, he didn't touch. So but, but, but again, in terms of, in, we're talking about just the, the movement there. There's no way that goes if Ronaldo doesn't interfere. Um, and they've got him playing where he is most dangerous. He's getting off some decent shots and the team is just operating well around him. But Bruno, again, really impressive. Getting the penalty, someone questioned the actual award. Uh, yeah, that's, I that's actually, two and two for Portugal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe lucky in both games, but not lucky to win both games. I think I think they were good value for both victories. Yeah, I'm no, I, I agree, yeah. Uruguay, I have to say, um, from their perspective, Araujo was a huge loss. Huge loss in defence. Valverde, again, extending himself to all corners of the, uni- of the footballing universe. I just think that there's the eight... The core of the Uruguay team is just age, is age-like. Yeah. Um, and the young players, very industrious. Darwin Nunez not quite finding his radar, and that's not a criticism of him, it's just, you know, it's the stage he's at in his career. 
but it's almost like that kind of the transition that the team hasn't been fully handed over yet. And I think that's a problem for them. Bentancourt almost scoring. He's been on a great run, almost gets a glorious goal and he's just been great. Um, but Uruguay just look, they almost look like a player short. Actually, that's not fair. They don't look a player short. They look like a player. They look like a team with a couple of players. It's a tournament too far. Yeah. And again, like Uruguay have a population of three and a half million. Like, and that, that sounds like really patronizing, but they don't have much margin for error, you know? They I mean, really don't. Yeah, you've got Godin in there, you've got Cavani in there, you've got Suarez who came on. There are there are a lot of It's the fourth places World Cup. That they can get younger yeah. In, yeah. in that squad. It's the fourth World but Cup. But they can still go through, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. But they haven't um, scored yet. They haven't scored no, yet. Haven't. And they're making very hard work of chance creation again. So yeah, we'll see. Are they gonna do like a Senegal route through the is it like scored one? Do you know what? They, they're going to need a bit of luck in that last game because yeah, I just, really. I saw, I saw the Portugal game and it was one of the first times I, I worried for them in terms of mm. you're not playmaking with ease here. So yeah, we'll yeah. see. We'll see. Um, do you want to talk about the protests in this game? Yeah. So Mario Ferry, a uh, protester, ran onto the pitch in the game between Portugal and Uruguay. Apparently he has form of running on the pitch and he uh, had a flag, a rainbow flag in support of the LGBT community and his t-shirt on the front had a protest in solidarity with Ukraine on the back, solidarity with protesters in Iran, uh, primarily the women in Iran. So yeah, a multi-purpose protest, a multitasking protest. And one which the camera is swiftly cut away from where I was watching it, but which had some impact. Um, members of the Qatari royal family on Twitter, extremely incensed by it. Mm. tweeting about it, very critical of it. And it was interesting because there's a conversation about how strategic are protests raising awareness about LGBT issues in countries where homosexuality is illegal. I don't have a specific view on each incident because I think that in a country where homosexuality is illegal, I'm not sure exactly how you play these things because if you invite the entire world to a party, right, a lot of people are going to want to comment on the fact that like not all guests are equally welcome. Right. So it's very difficult to control individual responses. And it's very difficult to say, actually, because the local population might say local Qataris might be like, actually, look, you're making life a lot harder for LGBT people on the ground. And I, I have a lot of sympathy argument. I don't know what side I come down on it in terms of a conversation. What I would say as well is there's often never a right time to say something. Do you know what I mean? There's often mm-hmm. not a right time to raise an objection. There's often not a right time or a wrong time to, it is what it is. I, I thought it was quite a bold thing for him to do on an individual level. I'm not so how strategic it was just because I can't assess that in the fullness and have all the context, but it certainly, it certainly brought a response. It certainly showed that this is a big deal. And I'm a bit concerned, I suppose, more broadly that, that a rainbow flag is seen as such a danger. Like that to me is still a big concern. Like it's a, it's a rainbow flag, you know? And I think it's one of those moments which really showed the extent of the repression that, that exists in the country. Yeah. Ruben Nevers afterwards, he told reporters, we are with them. And, which uh, I thought was quite interesting. Happened to him, yeah, yeah, uh, which quite bold, he yeah. didn't. He was released without charge, I believe. Right. Mm. All right. So, anything other World Cup stuff before we move on and quickly talk about Juve? No, I think we're good. I think we're good for World Cup stuff. All right. So, for those who have missed it, let's do this briefly because I feel like this is going to be a story that develops, and we will have time to do a proper, a proper episode at some point or some chunk of an episode on it. Juventus has announced that the entire Juventus board has resigned. Uh, they include Andrea Agnelli, the president, Pavel Nedved, the, pri- the vice president. Apparently reports are now saying that Maurizio Arrivabeni, who was formerly the uh, Ferrari team principal, was interesting, uh, the F1 principal. Yeah, apparently he's been advised to stay on as CEO the last time I saw. Um, so they've they've all resigned. This is super brief, by the way, because the Juve are currently under investigation for false accounting and a number of other financial mismanagements. Let's say it turns out it's really bad. It involves inflating the transfer income of uh, received for players, which allowed them to pay out bigger contracts to players. But the knock on means that. Apparently, 
if they had paid out uh, bigger salaries to the players that they had declared, then it means that those players may not have declared all of their tax income on or uh, wages because of Juve's accounting. And the losses they were posting even prior to this. Exactly. There's a couple of transfers Juventus made, mm. um, specifically the Cristiano well, Ronaldo one, where you're just like, do you even yes. have the money for that? And turns out they didn't. Yeah. Um, so if, there was a statement from Juventus that said, given the centrality and relevance of legal issues and technical accounting pending, uh, the board have deemed in accordance with the best social interest to recommend that you, Juventus provide a new board of directors to address these issues. Juventus will continue to cooperate with supervisory and industry authorities without prejudice to the protection of its rights in relation to disputes against the financial statements and communications of the company, blah, 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 some other stuff. So there's two main things, right? Apparently, they're being, they're in, they're, they're being under investigation for a load of transfers uh, that took place between 2018 and 2020. And the value of those transfers were inflated for capital gains. And there's actually a really good article on footballtransfers.com which summarizes it quite well. There's also James Horncastle wrote a great piece for The Athletic, which I recommend going and reading. Uh, the Miriam Pjanic. Which looked weird at the time. I mean, yeah, everyone, that's, that's what everyone was kind of like, as soon as that yeah. happened, everyone was just like, mm. <laughs> what? It felt like an what? NFT. It was as weird as an NFT. I was like, that is a lot. That's, yeah, that's wild. The Danilo Gian Cancelo swap with Manchester City <laughs> is also another one. Uh, yeah. The second main allegation apparently is that Juve are being accused of tax fraud during the COVID pandemic. Put it this way, there's, there's, there's a bit in there that says, uh, is Cristiano Ronaldo implicated in the Juventus scandal? It says, like all Juventus players who were at the club in 2020, investigators have looked into whether Ronaldo made a private agreement with Juventus to receive part of his salary, quote unquote, off the books. Why were they doing, why were Juventus even doing that? Why were they, uh, who even? But you know, it's interesting about this, right? Football is obviously a sport that, you know, it operates in its own bubble and like as if the rest of the world doesn't matter. Yeah. Do Juventus enjoy the same grace they enjoyed in previous years? I'm not sure. No. Do they have the leverage, Ryan? No, like, I don't think Is so. there going to be a generation where it's tired of Juventus, where they're not like, why are we deferential to this great institution? They need to be a bit careful, actually. I think they need to be super careful. I mean, we talked about them in football in a sense. They need to be super careful a while yeah. ago. And the fact that you've got Max Allegri there Still, just kind of like looking John Travolta. Right. Like, John, John Travolta. <laughs> 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 Starting in the hallway. Like, like where is anyway. everyone? But, but he's probably thinking, there's no one left to fire me. This is brilliant. He's like an engineer at Twitter. like an engineer at Twitter. To be fair to Allegri, we talked about this just before the World Cup, but they were kind of starting to creep up on A little that, bit of a turnaround. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah they yeah, were. Yeah. And, and like fair play because it was looking pretty bleak for a while. It was, it was, it was. From one... One bleakness overcomes to a new bleakness. So let's see what happens there. We'll keep Imagine it how it is for him. Directors giving the vote of confidence who are now like walking out of the door with their stuff directors? in like a cardboard what box. What directors? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Flo dropped a great thing on Counterpressed about the Conti Cup. It's like if a goal is scored in the Conti Cup, but, you, but no one was could see it because it wasn't available anywhere. Does the goal even happen? <laughs> Did you know, like the kind of like, the, like, does a tree fall in the woods kind of thing? But you know what's guaranteed so to like, if, you get a, if you get a vote of confidence from directors who are no longer good directors, does the vote of confidence even happen? Do you I even mean, need not, a vote of confidence? Well, here's no the thing. Here's, here's a possibility to imagine. What if Allegri basically is barricading himself currently in the Aventus offices so everyone arrives back at training, he's locked them all out and changed the keys. Like, I'm now the God Emperor. He's given himself I was going like to say, I was jobs. literally going to say, Allegri should march in there and just be like, hey, I'm the captain now. I'm the captain now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Uh, it's almost as if there is too much football and football shenanigans going around. Far too much, far too much. Far my too much. goodness. The FA yeah. Cup draw was made on Monday. Oh my goodness. The third round draw. We, I'm not even going to, I refuse to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise, I refuse. Shall we bounce? Let's do it. All right, everyone. We hope everyone's staying safe, staying well. We will be back with you, I think, pretty much every night now that there are games on. That's right. If I can hold off this, whatever this cough is that seems to be creeping in. I'm downing vitamins like nothing. I'm just oh, like, goodness me. Oh. Yeah, I've doubled my, 
Double my intake. Um, don't forget to check the ringer.com forward slash soccer. Don't forget to check Righty's House on Wednesday with Musok Wonga and Ian Wright himself. Don't forget to check Lolo Hughes' counter press if you haven't already. And don't forget to check the Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. Speaking of which, we're playing now on Don't Feel No Way by Dimer. And anything you want to add, Musok Wonga? Nothing further. No? Yeah, no, no, no just more takes. You want to... Listen, I don't feel no way about giving you hot takes. You want to just, you don't want to, you don't want to metaphorically launch it into the box one final time before the whistle no, goes. No. Put, it, put it in the mixer. No. Moose, mixer. Up top, up top, Moose, up top. All right, well, in that case, much love, everyone. We will be back with you on Wednesday. See you then.